Howdy gamers, it's Leighton here from Leighton Night, the podcast that you're currently listening to in case you accidentally stumbled upon this, in which case I am sorry, but just wanted to let you know that there is a video version of this episode that is up on our Patreon for all tiers. So if you want to join us over there, depending on the tier, you can get all sorts of cool benefits. We do mini-sodes every week. We do some fun videos. Uh, you get access to our fan discord and overall it's a really lovely time and we would love to have you there. So without any further ado, here is the audio version of this episode. So if you want to do the video version, you can go to patreon.com slash late night or not it's really whatever floats your boat. Anyway, episode. What are you vaping on right now? We also don't have to open this episode with talking about vaping if you don't want to. <laughs> but we never have before, so. Vaping, also known as <laughs> electronic cigarettes. It's funny because um, I have this crazy conspiracy theory. Oh, I love this. You ever notice that the ads for anti-vaping are mm-hmm. truth, right? Right, yeah. What was the anti-smoking campaign when we were younger it was also truth right no it was called dare oh Oh, dare okay yeah (laughs) wow you just blew this whole thing wide open (laughs) big tobacco is shaking i'm the i'm the whistleblower (laughs) so truth or dare truth or dare it's strange i'm pretty sure it's on record that these anti-smoking ads and anti-vaping get money from you know, big tobacco, big vape, whatever. Big vape. I'm convinced that, and maybe this isn't a conspiracy. This might just be one of those things where it's just like, yeah, that's just a thing. You can't advertise smoking. You can't advertise vapes. So the best next thing to do is to advertise not to do it. So that it's still in the, <laughs> it's still in their perception and they're, they're still yeah. getting that information and be like, wow, this thing that, I'm not supposed to do sounds really cool and rebellious. Maybe I'll just go ahead and do it. Yeah, yes. smoking and vaping are so terrible that it's all you're going to want to do from now on. <laughs> anyway, don't try it. Okay, I wonder if that's true. Look, I guess it's kind of a conspiracy theory, but it's also plausible that they could, you know, if you want teenagers to do something, you tell them not to do it, and then... Right, yeah. They do it. Mm, These candy flavored vapes, we got to make them illegal because they're so (laughs) delicious and just like candy. (laughs) Well, like it's like the whole Elvis thing, right? Like Elvis's like manager had the rights to both Elvis merchandise and Elvis sucks merchandise. Oh, did he really? Colonel Tom did? Yeah. So they would make money on both Elvis fans and Elvis haters. (laughs) Wait a minute. Okay. So you're telling me I could be selling Ninja Sex Party sucks merchandise. And I'm saying you oh should because you don't want I somebody should. else to own that. <laughs> yeah, if people are going to dunk, really you better like be that. profiting off of it. Yeah. I think that's a strong direction, especially with the NSP Twitter. Just tweets dunking on yourself. What I should do, and there's no way he'd, he'd agree to this, is I should start selling like Dan Sucks 
merchandise. <laughs> you don't think Danny would <laughs> be down for that? <laughs> you could do Brian sucks. That's it. You know what? That I agree to that seller. already. Brian sucks merchandise. I feel like it'd be it'd be kind of a dick move to kind of just be like, hey, so hope you're cool with this. I just got Dan sucks uh, merchandise. Yes. Just, you know, trust me. Just, trust me. This is a good idea. <laughs> I, especially when the Brian sucks was right there and I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You You get like four printed and then immediately have it say sold out. Like, is the illusion as yes. those were selling That's like right. hotcakes. And he doesn't mm-hmm. know how to check our merch back end, so he couldn't check. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> great. Okay, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to start an anti-Brian camp. This is a, okay, I'm very inspired now. An anti-Ninja Brian campaign. I think it plays into the bit really well in sort of that discussion we were having about on stage antagonism. And sympathetic booing. Just to fill you in, Jules. So Ninja Sex Party just went on tour. And there's a thing that I did on tour where in the middle of the show, Dan leaves to take a break. And the guys touring with us were the Super Guitar Bros, who, of course, you know. And our producer, Jim Roach. And so I went around one by one and reevaluated them during the middle of the show where we give them like a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down, but a practice, it was always a thumbs down because that's the bit. Of course. And then I would kick them off the stage and then people would start booing. And I was like, oh, people are booing me for being an asshole. And Layton <laughs> said, no, no, no. They were playing into the bit. They were booing the super guitar bros. <laughs> so I don't know if you saw Layton, a few listeners uh, commented on this post and nobody was on my side. In terms of the booing, <laughs> everybody was booing me. Nobody was doing the thing you thought they were doing that I saw where they were booing the super guitar bros, which is how can you, boo them? they're so nice. How could you boo those guys? Yeah, but the boos versus booers on this one is off the charts. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. You know, you're my co-host. I got to be sympathetic with your booing. I appreciate that. Well, <laughs> okay, fair enough. I will say it's the only time you haven't been explicitly antagonistic towards me, but okay, sure. I like being supportive only when you're dunking on our other friends. <laughs> right, <now> that, <laughs> yes, the enemy of my enemy. The thing is, they're, the super guitar, they're so kind. They're so cute. They're so nice. That's what makes it funny because my bit with super guitar bros has been very similar where oh yeah tell me anytime i would be talking about sam or sam would talk, be talking about me we would just you know just be like uh, he's not really that good uh, i mean and, and in reality like whenever i show people sam's guitar work you know i say like oh. i studied classical guitar this man for some reason can just play this thing perfectly it's incredible he's amazing both it, of it them. is both incredible of them. Yeah. and steve's rhythm oh i don't know he could give james hetfield a run for his money <laughs> yeah nobody does that like percussive he's, stuff like him yeah, yeah and he's so tight at it yeah they're a the power duo. So it's really fun to shit on them. Yes. Thank you. It's amazing. And Adriana for a while thought that I hated them because mm. I forgot mm-hmm. to kind of cue her into this bit. I, I man, this must've been 2014, 2015. And I think I was ending a stream or something. I could be screwing the story up, but whatever. And she was just like, Oh, you should, uh, you should raid the super guitar bros. And I'm like, they suck. I hate those guys. <laughs> and apparently like really like convincingly. And she was just like, Oh, <laughs> okay. And then I think it was like the next year we went to Magfest and I was just like, Oh, we have to see the super guitar bros. And she was like, I thought you hated them. And I was like, Oh, wait. <laughs> I have some splaining to do. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe this speaks to the day and age in which we live, but like the fact that someone would take it seriously where you're just like, you're on stream. You're like, yeah, those fuckers. I hate them. I hate them so much and mean it. What? There are so many people who I think are fuckers, but I'm never going to say those things publicly. I will happily call my closest friends who I love dearly fuckers because that's funny. It's like, Brian, when you were in the feud with Twerp on Twitter, (laughs) people thought it was real. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Which, oh, well, I could talk about that. That feeds into kind of like what we were talking about earlier, where like it's almost just like if you can't advertise the thing, advertise not doing the thing. I think there's something That's to right. say about creating fake beef, like in kind of that same element. I think it's really funny when it's well done. And yeah. some people can't tell that it's fake, which, OK, fair enough. But I love fake beefs. I think they're awesome. And it's it's a little it's a roast, right? It's a form of friendship and it's a form of like it is saying, hey, look, I know this person can handle it. First of all, it's not like, here's this person's name and address. Go get them. You know, it's like a <laughs> yeah. gentle nudge in the shoulder or whatever. Just doxing the BFFs with your <laughs> with your buddies. <laughs> yeah, doxing the bros. I, I did want to say about <laughs> the bros specifically that Sam's dejected face is my favorite thing. Sad Sam <laughs> is maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen. You know, I, I would get up near him and like really stare him down. And he would do this thing where he would just be like, Come, man, don't. Please. <laughs> yeah. And he would say it like very soft so the audience couldn't hear him and only I could hear him. And it was so funny every time because yeah, I would always check with him. I'd be like, you're, you're cool with this. Is that all right? Is it OK if I like come over and kind of bother you? And he's like, yes, of course. Yeah, I think it's awesome. And then on stage, he would never, never play into that. And he would always act like I was really upsetting him. It was so funny. (laughs) They're both very funny. Sam drops comedy bombs like nobody else. I love those guys. He just has the perfect puppy dog eyes, which I think Mm -hmm. is a thing very (laughs) few people are able to do with that level of skill. Yes. I was going to ask because I'm very interested because I think we have a selection of different ages here, but I'm curious what each of your experiences with D.A.R.E. in school were like. It was funny. I have none as far as I know. Really? Not a thing. I recognize it. It's like an 80s thing originally. Is it? 80s, 90s. Yeah. So I'm old enough where it would have been around when I was in school, but. You didn't have any sort of like, don't do drugs. At all? You know what? We had, not from D.A.R.E., we had like health class. So my my school was trimesters. And so like one trimester, in like seventh, eighth grade, one trimester was sex and one trimester was drugs. The other was not rock and roll. It was like, you know, I don't know whatever (laughs) the fuck it was. But like, I remember we had to pick a drug to do a report on. I picked PCP, of course. And... uh, (laughs) But yeah, I remember they had these books like pamphlets and we had to read them. PCP, otherwise known as angel dust, cause it, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> right. But I don't ever remember having, you know, a trio of uh, 22-year-olds in khaki pants and polo shirts tell us not to do drugs. Yeah, like turn the chair backwards and sit in it. Like, yeah, like- exactly. You mind if I rap at you about drugs? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's kind of what it felt like. But like, I feel like you either got one of two experiences, like where you got the one where it was like the officer coming in and being like, 
what's up, my homies? I'm here to, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or either that right, right, right. or you got the like scared straight kind of tactic, which is what I got. Oh, tell us about that. They brought like like a literal lung into the classroom, <laughs> like a like uh-huh. like a blackened smoker's lung, and it was just like, this is what your lung will <laughs> look like. And I think they had like a like a good lung, and they were like, which lung do you want? You know, like don't smoke or whatever. <laughs> yeah, one looks metal as hell, and the other is just like a fucking <laughs> yeah. Thing yeah, you're not convincing me. That looks pretty cool. <laughs> they had like. Some guy come in in like a wheelchair who is like, you know, insanely ancient. And he was like, I smoked all my life and here are all the medications I have to take now. And like drop them like a candy on Halloween. Like this is, this is, I, I have to take all these or I'm going to die instantly or whatever. You know, it's like, I feel like you got one of those two things, seldom both at the same time. Was that in San Diego? No. Uh, so I, I grew up in Massachusetts, actually. Massachusetts, got it. I moved to San Diego when I was 24 25? Gotcha. Who knows? Yeah. So most of my life experience is uh, Northeastern America, you know, New England kind of a, a vibe. Then I got tired of snow, you know, endangering my life on a <laughs> yearly basis. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so I moved to San Diego where snow is not a thing. No, you can't find it. Yeah. Leighton, what was your dare experience? Definitely of the middle-aged Southern cop coming in to talk to us, but also a lot of like videos and also like the booklets where it's like some cool older kid offers you a wine cooler. What do you do? Multiple choice. (laughs) Well, how cool and what flavor? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that wine coolers as the pinnacle of things that people will (laughs) offer teenagers for free. And also just the plain idea that people are going to like pressure you into doing drugs. Like no one's giving their drugs away to children. Are you serious? If anything, I'm that person now. I'll be in a party and be like joint 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 anybody like it backfired and then also like (laughs) the sex ed afterwards i remember a very specific thing where you had to do worksheets but you had to get a grade on it you had to have your parents sign the worksheets Mm -hmm. which is fucking horrifying humiliating yes well you know you have a certain type of parent that that's not going to go well for. And long story short, I figured out how to forge my mom's signature so I <laughs> would not go. get yelled at. So we, We're learning real world, uh, real world yeah. skills in school. That's for sure. I have a very clear memory of my seventh grade health teacher being like, you know what my favorite organ is, everybody? The scrotum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She talked about the scrotum for like 45 minutes and how it's like, you know, when the body is hot, it like loosens up. So the testicles move further away. And when it's cold, it pulls them in. It's this incredible thing that adjusts based on the temperature. And it was mortifying and hilarious. I don't know if things have gotten more body positive or sex positive, but I think being from North Carolina, I don't think North Carolina is abstinence only, but the sex ed that I had was incredibly abstinence only Mm -hmm. and very much of the you will get an STD and die immediately type. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it sounds like somebody going on about how cool scrotes are, uh, (laughs) is that, that sounds way better than just like, you know, that part of your body that's dirty and terrible. Yeah. You like abstinence. 
I believe is where you love abstinence and celibacy. It's my favorite. Nothing encourages a teenager not to do something like being told by adults who don't have their best interest to not do it. (laughs) And also like watch this VHS tape where it's like teenagers. Oh, we can't keep our hands off of each other. (laughs) Like you guys are just making this seem cool. Also, like there was nobody further away from having sex than me as a teenager. I mean, nobody. Yeah. And to hear, make sure you don't have sex. I was like, guys, have we seen me? Like, who are we (laughs) kidding here? It's not, it's not happening. Now you're just making me feel bad about myself because it's like, are you mocking me on purpose? It was not going to happen. Yeah. So I have to say the abstinence only. I was just like, which in Jersey, I can't even remember what it fucking was. It wasn't far from that. I mean, we learned what a condom was, et cetera, but certainly they talked a lot about STDs. Well, actually, that's we. I'm remembering now. Much like we had to pick a drug to do a report on, we had to pick different STDs to, <laughs> to do go reports and get. on. Yeah, to go and <laughs> go get, and then then write a first-hand journal. Lab. <laughs> yep, that's right. Which one did I do? Did I do herpes? Maybe I did herpes. That feels. Right. I think I did herpes that's a fun as one. well. Yeah. I don't think we had a a drug that we did a project on because I don't think they wanted us to know a whole lot about <laughs> a specific drug. Uh-huh. But we definitely did STDs and we did uh, like birth defects. Oh, really? It's all bleeding together because I took a lot of child psychology and then actually in college hoped to double major in psychology and music. And I realized very quickly that being a music major is a double major, turns out. Um <laughs> And I could not do it. So I ended up uh, dropping that. I would love to go back and finish a psych degree at some point. But what do you do with a degree these days? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good question, right? Great question. Be in debt. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. be in debt. So did you finish college with a music degree or you dropped out of college partway through? I only finished an associate's degree, but my focus was classical guitar performance. Cool. I wanted to be Sam Griffin when I grew up. No, who doesn't? (laughs) Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it was all performance and not production. Yeah, I didn't do any production in school, which is Hmm. wild because I think most of the time, my job now, I spend mixing, mastering, recording, production stuff. Right, which you learned zero of in college. Yeah, and I mean, I could have learned it. So I took two years off after high school to go work at Six Flags as Captain Feathersword in the Wiggles show. But then I went to college And I felt so much of it was like beneath me because I was a stupid 21, 22 year old. Like I had already started a YouTube channel. I'm like, yeah, man, I've got a thousand subscribers. Like all of these people are beneath me. No, like not actually, but like it was tough to kind of like look at like a curriculum and say like, okay, I need to take all of these one credit courses, you know, because that's the only way they can force you to take four semesters of something in an associate's program. And there'd be like music production where we're going to learn what Pro Tools is and what an EQ (laughs) does. And I'm just like, okay. And I don't know, in retrospect, maybe it would have been nice to kind of look at things more analog, you know, and actually like get an understanding of that stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially like later on, people I have worked with, like Danny Baranowski and stuff, has actually like recommended I do that, you know, because I've mm-hmm. done a lot of work with with him specifically on like Crypt of the Necrodancer, Cadence of Hyrule, and stuff like that. That he's been like, you know, like I know you don't feel like you probably need it, but it would be good for you to take a production course since you do it so often. Yeah, I think about this all the time. 
I don't do, you know, at least for NSP and even the solo thing that I've been working on recently, like I'm not producing it myself. I'm working with a producer, but I feel kind of like a poser not knowing that stuff, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm always wondering like, should I go take classes in this and like really learn it? But then so much of it is just learned by doing that. I feel like at my advanced age, like I don't want to fucking spend years in school. I'll just, if I want to go learn production, I'll go talk to a producer I know and be like, Hey dude, can I like shadow you in the studio for a while or whatever? The temptation to like do a class as an adult is very tempting, but I also feel like I would immediately not take it seriously, even though I was paying my own money to do it. Like, well, this isn't like it was when I actually was in college where it was like, Oh fuck, I got to take this really, really seriously. Instead, it'll just be like, I don't know, this is my psychology elective that, you know, yes. I'm going to do my job and then do my my little homework, even though I'm not going to do anything <laughs> with this. Like, I could just watch shit on the internet and take notes. I think all I actually want is to take yes. notes and have some form of structure and for somebody to tell me that I did a good job because I did a thing according to a rubric. Yeah. That's exactly what I was about to say. And to be tested. Yes, a test. Yeah. Yes, yeah. a test, a real test where... God, you know, I was in academics for so long. I just want a thing with right answers where I can yeah. go in and write down the right answers and have someone be like, good job, Brian. You got all the answers right, right again. Nice. I think it'd be just unfair to everybody if you, of all people, Brian, got more academics under your belt. Because <laughs> we're, 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 all, we're all trying to catch up. No, it's totally real, though. <laughs> but you're right. I've been in school enough. I did the most school. I did like literally the most <laughs> school you can do. I don't need to go back to school. So one of the best pieces of advice that I was given way too early, like it didn't set in until way later, was that like, as humans, we're not supposed to do everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's it's great to, even if you can produce, to have a producer. If you can find one that's good, that works with you well. Yeah. I remember I was told, like, after I was talking about, like, okay, yeah, we're doing this album. You know, I'm doing all the arranging. I'm doing all the tracking. I'm programming the drums. I'm playing the bass. I'm mixing. I'm mastering. I'm making all the music videos. And I'm doing the CDR. I'm doing everything. And mm-hmm. they were, like how do you feel? <laughs> like, like, I'm just checking in with you, you know, like what's going on? And, you know, I'd be like, well, I'm stressed. I don't sleep. And I'm, you know, buckling under the crippling emotional, you know, debt that I keep taking out for myself, but everything's great. I love my job. Right. Yeah. He said like, pick three things, like out of everything that you do, what are the three things that bring you the most joy? Oh, this is good advice. Outsource everything else. Like, yeah, you can do it. You know, we're all impressed. Great. Good job. But like, (laughs) for your sake, try to outsource those things. You know, when you feel tired, you feel depressed, you feel uh, whatever, it's because you're expending more energy and emotional whatever than you're getting back. And those things Mm -hmm. that like give you those kind of, whatever those three things are in your work that you enjoy are probably things that actually fill you up. And we have taxes and we have, you know, automobiles and all these stressful things that, you know, screw us up that we don't need to also be stressing ourselves out more than we need to in our jobs if we can help it. This is very good advice. Yeah, that's incredibly solid. Yeah, I think people overexert themselves to such an extent. That can be a multitude of different reasons. For me, it's I'm a control freak and I hate letting anybody else 
touch anything that I'm working on. It can also be, and I'm not speaking from experience at all of having <laughs> devastatingly low self-esteem and the only way you can uh -huh. garner approval is by working yourself to death because that yes. means somebody will tell you you did a good job. And you know, if you are still for any amount of time, that means you have thoughts. Mm -hmm. I can't have yeah. that. Yeah, thoughts are bad. <laughs> for me, a lot of it is like, well, I don't want to bother anyone. Like, yeah, I could just I could just edit. The, look, I could send all the files to someone, yeah. and then they'd have to deal with it. And they, you know, or you know, okay, so it'll take me five minutes to send the files, and I could edit this whole thing in like half an hour. Or so yeah, why don't I just do it? And it's not a big deal. But what that fails to account for is the aggregate of that shit adding up over time, and then mm -hmm. iterate that. 200 times and yep. on time 200, you're like, I hate this so much. I don't want to yeah. be doing it. I'm mad that I have to do it. It's not hard, but, uh, and it is self-care to outsource when you can. I 100% yes. agree. Yeah. You, you accumulate a big compounding emotional toll by doing all of these little things over time. Yes. But all that to say, you know, kind of wrapping it back, is that like, I think when you have those thoughts of like, I want to go back to school and learn a whole other skill that I'm inevitably going to wish that I didn't. Because, you know, like... <laughs> yes. When you do something that somebody might tell you that you're gifted in or talented in, right? It's not that you necessarily like, I hit the grindstone, you know, I, I put it to the whetstone and I, I chiseled my... It was probably things that you actually enjoyed the grind of. Mm -hmm. Like when people ask me like, how do I get better at guitar? You know, I worry even by that question because if you don't enjoy practicing guitar, you have a very long uphill battle ahead of you unless you can find something in that that you can enjoy. And I think that applies yeah. to not just guitar, but anything. Everything, yes. I remember going into um, my friend Jason Richardson's stream. He's probably the most technically proficient guitarist alive right now. And people keep asking him, like, how do I get good at guitar like you? And it's so hard not to just say, like, it's probably not going to happen. Because, you know, somebody like Jason probably just, like, put in those 32 hours a day into practicing guitar because he loved the grind of it, you know? Yeah. So, like, if it's even tough for you to, like, push yourself to go to a class that you haven't done already, you're setting yourself up for an uphill battle. Not saying that you yeah. shouldn't do it or at least try to, but the dad light in my head's going off like, hey, son, maybe you should take stock of what you've already got going on because you <laughs> might have some stuff that's that's pretty cool. I think people also, when they ask those questions, which of course, you know, we get things like this all the time, at least for NSP stuff, it's less, how do I get good? It's more like, how do I get to do what you do? But right. people are hoping often there's like, they're going to hear two sentences and be like, that's the answer. That's it. They want to do it. it. Yeah. And they don't exist. You know, the answer is hard work and luck. And what else can I tell you? There's no magic formula. We can all point to insanely talented people who didn't make it and less talented people who did. And you just don't know. Right place, right time. Keep working. What else can yeah. you do? Hope for the best. The other thing is like for anybody who is like asking people like us, how do I get blank? It's like we are so not the people to ask. I think it was Bo <laughs> Burnham who said something along the lines yeah. of like, you don't ask somebody who won the lottery how to get rich. 
Like, <laughs> yeah, that's wow, a great way to put it. That is a great quote. I'm butchering it, but it's the same idea. It's like, if you want to make money, don't ask somebody who won scratch ticket earnings and are set for life until they, you know, do a shitload of PCP and then end up yeah. broke again. For the arts, as a creator, there's just no path. That doesn't exist. There may be some sort of on average, this is what people do, but talk to anybody and everybody yeah. has a different, you know, oh, I was doing this for a while and then this other project happened and then this happened. And, you know, it's this weird zigzag that, yeah. you know, it, it keeps moving in a direction and it's not necessarily when you attended, but who the fuck knows where it's going anyway. And it's impossible to give advice I never know what to say to people. And certainly I can't I, say. I always just say, keep it up. Yep. Because that's the thing. Like, unless somebody asks for like, hi, I want you to, you know, stomp on my throat, dad, and really tell me like what I need to do to make this video better or whatever. Like, yeah. that's the other thing is like, a lot of people want to just be praised for the work. So, I mean, I just right. give that to them. I say, good stuff. Keep it up. Which is meaningful for sure. We have to go back to your job Thank at you. the amusement Thank park because I saw Layden's face <laughs> twitch when you I thought I could just, dropped. I thought I could just. Like, nope, you dropped that. We said bomb. we weren't going to do gotcha journalism, but actually, uh, yes, oh, we yeah, are. no, that was like the first disclaimer. Like we're not doing gotcha journaling, and then Layton just, <laughs> just like, all right, yeah, yeah. So what's this about Captain Feathersword? <laughs> Hold on, should we introduce the show? Oh yes, we should. What? See, th we are professionals. Everybody, <laughs> this is Layton Night with Brian Wacht. Over here, we have Layton Gray. That's me, baby. Uh, mystery guest. Would you care to introduce yourself? I'm Jules. I do way too many things and I need to do less things. And I do video game metal covers on my YouTube channel, Family Jewels. You might know me from guitar work on Cadence of Hyrule, Binding of Isaac, Cadence of Hyrule. I'm really tired. I I got no <laughs> sleep because uh, oh, no. they're doing construction like right outside my house. Oh, <sighs> shit. You can tell my power levels by like how big my hair is typically. The fact that my hair is very kind of like deflated right now, you know I've got like two hours of sleep under my belt. So. Uh -huh. <laughs> Honestly, your hair looks great. It looks like an intentional really choice. Thank you. You look very cool and you've got your relatively fresh Princess Peach ink on you. Yes, and uh, I've got... Princess Peach, and I've got Zelda. Zelda's even newer. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. oh that's gorgeous. Yes. That. Same artist for uh, both of them? Same artist, yeah. Um, and cool. my next one, I'm doing um, 2B from Near Automata. Oh, nice. It's just going to oh, be yeah. the waifu sleeve. I'm very excited <laughs> about <laughs> But yeah, you probably most likely know me for my Megalovania doorbell. Cool. <laughs> All right. Now, talk to us about this amusement park, John. Okay, so once I was out of high school, I didn't want to continue working jobs that I had before, which include Subway. I wanted to be an artist, but not a sandwich artist. And then <laughs> uh -huh. I did a software company where I did stuff for the government, which um, was eye-opening. Um, but I was like, you know, like, I'm a creative. Like, I want to be doing music or something. And the only job that I could find that was very performance-based, you know, I have, a, I have a history in musical and acting, improv, and stuff like that was Six Flags nearby where I lived. And this is in Massachusetts? Yeah. Legally, I have to say that all of these characters that I will inevitably say I played, I helped out with because, uh -huh. you know, only Captain Feathersword can be Captain Feathersword. Right, of course. But that's not actually the job I auditioned for. They had a, like, a Dead Legends show for, like, their Halloween Fright Fest or whatever, and I really wanted to play Jim Morrison. 
Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. I've always been a big fan of The Doors. So I was like, this is cool. Like I can get on stage and I can sing and, you know, it seems like such a good job. And I didn't get it. They just put me as like the scary guy in woods for <laughs> for that <laughs> for that season. Which, to be fair, is only a short walk from Jim Morrison in, in some well, sense. It's also a very short walk from Family Jewels. <laughs> um, so I was born for this gig. But then the next season, I was like, okay, like I want to kind of build a relationship here and kind of just try out for, you know, jobs during the summer and see if maybe I can like work my way up to, you know, kind of being trusted with such a huge role as Jim Morrison. And I got cast as Captain Feathersword in The Wiggles Show. And at first, me being, um, you know, the brooding edgelord that I am, you know, listening to Avenged Sevenfold and shopping exclusively at Hot Topic, I was like, Uh the Wiggles? I couldn't be (laughs) caught dead being in the Wiggles, you know? Mm -hmm. But, like, I didn't know how to (laughs) turn down a job like that. So I was just like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, let's do it. And it's wild because it meant that I did a really good job on my dance audition, which I'm pretty sure I remember just doing push-ups or something. I was just like, I didn't didn't know what to do. Uh The two arts that I am garbage at are anything regarding visual arts and dance. I can figure out most other things, but those are the two that I'm just inept. So I was stunned to get that call. And I went in begrudgingly. I did all the, you know, discovery trainings and everything like that. And you know what? I learned to love Captain Feathersword. So I don't know anything about the Wiggles. Who is Captain Feathersword, Jules? Let's really get into it. Very glad you asked. Captain Feathersword is a pirate who loves to sing and dance. And instead of a deathy metal sword, he has a sword that just has a feather on the end of it Mm -hmm. that he uses to tickle his friends. Mm -hmm. Hot. Yeah, that's why I'm glad you asked. You know, the Wiggles are, at least at that time, the richest people in Australia because of their right. because of their children's show they put out. Because of mashed potato yes. and fruit uh, yeah, salad, Yeah, hot potato, hot potato, fruit hot salad. Potato. Yeah, it's insane. And you have to stop and think, like, yeah, that's a pirate that tickles people with a feather. Okay, yeah, we're just going to let yep. that go. Uh, you know what? Awesome. Fine. The reason I loved that job, and I still say, even including YouTube and everything else I've done, it's my favorite job that I've ever had. Wow. Simply because no other character in the entire park of Six Flags has nearly the level of improv allowed. Ah, uh, yeah. Because Feathersword's whole thing is he's very comedic and plays jokes and stuff and, and is, is mm-hmm. fun. He's a cool guy that likes to have fun, yeah. Just like you, Brian. Of course, just like me. Yes, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah have you ever thought about, uh, no. You know what? I don't audition. Look, I'm offer only, actually, so I'm going to take that back. I will not audition for Captain Feathersword, but if offered the part... I I will accept it. I'm going to put that out okay. there. You don't All get right. out of bed for anything less than 20K, so... Yeah. 20K? So, no, that's gone up. It's 50 now. Oh, shit. That's my day rate. <laughs> I really pushed that as far as I could. You know, once I kind of started feeling comfortable in the character, I was very inspired by, you know, how Disney will constantly do this thing where they'll be family-friendly, but there are subtle jokes in there that are like, uh-huh. it's for the bros. It's for the parents, you know? Yep. As they say, a little something for daddy. A little something for daddy, exactly. That was almost a spit take, Brian. I just want you to know that was very (laughs) Very much a spit take for me. I'm trying to think about what I can actually say. I would be very in character and you would have to walk around the midway and talk to kids and talk to people. And every once in a while, there'd be the teenager who would 
come up to you and, you know, throw some pretty not nice things to the pirate mm-hmm. in the kids show, right? And then they would be a little bit taken aback when they would have some clapbacks that they were not expecting to come from a children's uh-huh. character. Or I would go up to somebody wearing an Avenged Sevenfold shirt and be like, hi there, me hearty. Can you name three songs from that band? Or are you just wearing that shirt? Because, yeah, you know? <laughs> and it was fun. It was cool. Brutal. <laughs> that rules. Yeah, but I think the peak of it was getting written up for, I'm pretty sure, quote, over-sexualizing the Wiggles show. <laughs> Hell yeah. With certain inserts and hot potato as hot potato, hot potato. Ooh, so hot. Hot potato, <laughs> hot potato. I like them hot. Just throwing those in there, you know, just for the parents in the back. And I remember like, yeah, like I felt good about that. It was funny. You know, I saw parents laughing and I went backstage and my supervisor was there just giving me the sh- just... Too hot. Yeah. It was too hot. Too hot. <laughs> you, you flew too close <laughs> to the sun, Mr. Feathersword. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. How long did you do that for? I did that two years and then I went to college afterwards. Mm-hmm. But the reason I always say that that's my favorite job is because like, sure, you know, with YouTube or with being a musician, touring or whatever, you have that improv, you have that fun that you can have with the audience. But anything you do that gets in trouble is attached to your identity. It's attached to your person. Six Flags, it was like, if I got in trouble, that wasn't me getting in trouble. That was Captain Feathersword getting in trouble. (laughs) You know, there's kind of that that separation, which made me feel much less anxious about, you know, sending tweets in my underwear on a couch at four in the morning. (laughs) Certainly not to this scale, but there was a summer when I was in high school where I did work for like a bootleg Disney princess company where I was Alice in Wonderland. Somebody no child gives a fuck about because Anna and Elsa are there and you just have no chance. Right. But like, there's something about being the person that I am and then doing a really squeaky clean thing, which is fun <laughs> because it's like, I'm a pervert and nobody knows because yeah. I'm in Did a you have silly to do a little voice? hoops. No, they wouldn't let me do the voice. Not that I could oh. have done it, but let me tell you that saying Alice lines in my dumb voice, curiouser uh, g- g- come and curiouser. On. Give us a couple here. That's It's just curiouser <laughs> and curiouser. That That's, yeah, uh, yeah uh-huh. that was it. And the kids thought my teeth were fake. (laughs) (laughs) Something about being able to roast people when you're in character, but also children are so fucking mean sometimes that it's Uh just kind of hilarious. It is. Why would they think your teeth are fake? You have good teeth, I guess. I'm blonde, but I had to wear like a blonde wig and I had my dumb little hoop skirt that I could barely fit into my car so I could go drive to the gig and then we would get changed in like a shitty little bathroom with Mm -hmm. me with Cinderella who's just like we're stripping I guess and then we're gonna put on our costumes and do crafts with the children oh you should have worn like Dracula fangs that would have been rad like your Alice in Wonderland costume but just like the fake Dracula fang give them some real fake teeth there those are great yeah, that would scare it. Like when I was a kid, any of Dracula the, like, in Wonderland. Can- Wait a minute. Hold on. Dracula in Wonder. I'm writing this down. This is a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would definitely feel like I took a little too much acid if Alice's teeth were turning into Dracula fangs. Yeah. Do it like to one child and then spit them out and then yeah, exactly. gaslight. Yeah. <laughs> the 100%. Yes. yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> but when I was a child, 
I was terrified of anybody of the Captain Feathersword ilk, like mascots. Oh, no, same. sobbing. Nope. There's an incredibly iconic photo of me uh, at a Disney thing where Prince Charming, like they got Prince Charming to come over to talk to me, and I'm like this, like slumped in the corner crying. Uh-huh. It's great. I have one of those. I don't know if it's a photo, but I do remember being terrified of Chip and Dale. Uh, at Disney World. I mean, they're scary. Like, they're big fucking chipmunks, okay? They're not supposed to be that big. That's too big for chipmunks. And one of them has a red nose. Not okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, oh, I had anxiety as a child. I just was attaching it to this because Mm -hmm. whatever. But then being Alice and having children be frightened of me, I was like, we've come full circle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There is something about the big costumes that is... It's just off-putting. It's it's like how all the terrifying Muppets are the human-sized Muppets. It's just something about it where it feels... It, it's not Uncanny Valley. It just feels unnatural in a way that the smaller ones don't, you know? The dead eyes, you know? The dead eyes, especially with the Muppets specifically, they would, like, eat people sometimes, the human-sized Muppets. And that was always very upsetting to me as a child. Like, Sweetums, that size Muppet, the big blue they guys. Would, they would eat people. I remember some big Muppet eating a person. I don't think it was Sweetums, but it was something that looked vaguely like Sweetums. Like, like at, a, at a park or something? Like in front no, of No, no, like on The Muppet Show, for example. Oh, my God. I thought we were about to unravel like, Brian, I think you witnessed a murder. <laughs> like, <laughs> <I think laughs> Hold on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm pretty sure there's a rule somewhere that like as a costume character, you're not allowed to... Uh, Eat human beings. <laughs> I watched Donald Duck shiv a guy and then drag the body behind Space Mountain, but I think that was oh well. That, that just I think happens, that was you know, that was fun. Yeah, no, that's that's everyone's just yeah. playing and, and having having a good in time. In terms of like rides that would be appropriate for you to shiv someone on, I think it is Space Mountain. Oh yeah, easily. It's dark in well, there. Pirates of the Nobody Caribbean, probably number one, right? Like that one's quiet. People will hear you scream. Space Mountain, too loud. I guess that's true. I'm a Disney ride expert. As of right now, I did a video with my buddy Alpharad where... Oh, sure. A friend of the show. He explained to me what the Onceler erotic fiction was like. Oh, yeah. he hasn't told me about that. I have to ask him about that. You should. Honestly, the, him coming on here is like one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. <laughs> Arguably the best episode we've ever done. He was great. It's Jacob's all been downhill best. from there. Yeah, he rules. Yeah, and I'm just rock bottom. So we uh, <laughs> <laughs> we did a video where we um, went on every single ride that we could at Disneyland and oh uh, California Adventure in one day. Jesus Oof. Christ. He ended up getting the crazy like VIP package for like a group of yep. people and we all just split yep. it. Um, so we never had to go in on any lines or wait for anything. We just went like ride to ride to ride to ride. And we had like an escort too who like helped us like yes. plan out everything. I did that once. It was the best. Yeah, it's amazing. But um, God, that sounds exhausting. exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I clocked like 35,000 steps that day and most of them were running. <laughs> so yeah, all that to say like, yes, Space Mountain. Okay, but if you ship somebody on Space Mountain, what's interesting about that? is I don't know if this is another conspiracy or I haven't looked into it enough, but I'm under the impression that you're legally not allowed to die at Disneyland. Oh, they like drag you off the property or something? Part of, I think, the whatever the thing that you sign that nobody reads when you go through the the thing or whatever is that Mm -hmm. 
if you are unalived at Disney, um, you cannot be pronounced dead until you are off the premises. Oh, so technically nobody dies. Nobody's yeah. ever died at Disney, you know? You also can't spread ashes there. Right. That one I definitely understand. <laughs> I get it, but I will say, I'm trying to think of... There's that one very long YouTube video about the yep, two guys exactly who figured exactly. out it's it's that one. And when the guy spreads the ashes, it's like, okay, you were the one person who was allowed to do this. You yes. have the right because God, that video is amazing. Do you remember which video it is? That's like one of my favorite. What well, was like Futureland, uh, uh, Tomorrowland? Yeah. It was something like there was like this is what the future is going to be like, and then it guys, started Disney getting too rides. close to that future, and it was not what it was like. They must catch people fucking at Disney all the time, right? But then they have to take them off the premises, and then they have right, you legally <laughs> they have to can't have sex at Disneyland. You, you right? No one's ever fucked have sex at Disneyland, at Disneyland. Yeah, except at Club yeah. Thirty Three. That's the only place. I can't yes. think of like a less erotic place to have sex. Than Disney. But where like, specific, where's the least erotic place at Disneyland to have sex? I feel like it would also make you like legally, technically a sex offender. Easily, but like I, I'm afraid correct, to say yes. to say my answer because I feel like people would take it as a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Were you gonna say Casey Jr.? That would be my my answer. Uh, <laughs> no, I was gonna say Splash Mountain, but actually that sounds pretty convenient. I think <laughs> oh, that sounds hot as hell, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it, it's a giant wet log. I'm taking this girl to Splash Mountain. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want people doing, like, fuck on the Winnie the Pooh ride challenge, impossible oh, yeah. TikTok challenge, you know? That's right. Because like, you know people will do it. Now that the Country Bear Jamboree is closed in, at least at Disneyland, <laughs> that, that would have been... lost the most erotic location. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the country, God, the fucking Country Bear Jamboree. I guarantee you this is Dare's doing. Dare did this. Truth yes, or Dare. So, yeah. <laughs> uh. Let's move on to some segments. So we're going to go on now to our first segment, which is our pop culture recommendation segment. So this is where you get to talk about a book, a movie, a video game, an album, whatever, something you've been enjoying in the pop culture realm recently. The name of the segment is What's Poppin'? And it has a theme song, which we add in post, which goes here. You're not going to sing it for me? Well, I'm going to ask you, Jules, the question I like yeah, to Brian, ask sing uh, it. All, of, sing it. all of our guests. Sing the theme uh, song, sure, Brian, I'll, that you I'll love so all, much. Sing I, it. I will. I will. If you give me a fucking second. I can't <laughs> sing when I'm being constantly interrupted now, can I? Maybe I just want to you hear your beautiful thought, voice, Brian. This is, this I want to exactly hear your beautiful dulcet about. tones. I don't exactly think I've ever actually heard you sing. Do and I think it would be so appropriate if you would just give the guests a taste. I just want a single... I want. 10 fucking seconds to myself on this show <laughs> is all I ask, and I'm not getting it. If you're going to ask me to sing, you have to sit there quietly and promise you're not going to interrupt <laughs> me while I sing it. Can you promise me that? Okay, ready? Here we go. Bum, 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 bum. What's popping? Bum, 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 bum. What's popping? Thank you. Ooh, so hot. That was pretty Thank good. You. It was good. I liked it. Can I tell you what I just learned how to play today? Let's see if you recognize it. <laughs> right? That's inside of you. <laughs> yeah. That is from The Nightman Cometh, the... 
Mm. Always Sunny. Little boy, musical. baby boy. Also, what is it? Uh, <laughs> and that, what is it? Gotta pay the troll toll if you want to get into this. Whatever. Anyway, it's hard. It's hard. To, oh my god! Uh, do that at the same time. Yeah. What Amazing. a thrill! They talked about it on the podcast recently, on the Always Sunny podcast. I was like, I should just learn those songs. They're all pretty straightforward. And they just had the episode. They had Lin Manuel Miranda on because he apparently loves the Nightman Cometh, and he talked about. Of course, it. he does. Because of course he does. Did he bite his lip at all during? I I, I don't watch episode. it. I just listen. I just listen. Oh, right. So, well, that's great. That brings me very much joy to hear you play that. Thank Brian. you very much. Layton, what's popping? What's popping for me, other than the literal 83 mods I have for Fallout 4 right now, <laughs> what's popping? And let me tell you the threshold of making that game playable round 60 mods. Now we're cruising. Anyway, that's my the past two months of this fucking show, me just being like, I'm playing so much Fallout. Anyway, what's popping for me is a little YouTuber called Sarah Zed, who makes really wonderful essays about fandom stuff, particularly uh-huh. like 2010s Tumblr culture, which has been great just doing a deep dive of, you know, listen, I don't talk about this a lot on the show, but I was once a Homestuck for like a long time and very intensely. Is that what you call a Homestuck fan is a Homestuck? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I was there. You were one of the home stuckies. Yeah, sure. But getting to see the full like zoomed out version of that and also like BBC Sherlock stuff where it's like, I know exactly what you're going to say next. Like the minutia of fandom politics of the 2010s on Tumblr. It's just great. And they're really well-made videos. And uh, yeah, that's what's popping for me. Great. Jules, what's popping? I just finished Wednesday Adams on Netflix. Oh, how was it? It was amazing. Okay, good. It's so refreshing to watch something that's like Tim Burton, Danny Elfman, you know, and especially mm-hmm. Tim Burton doing his take on something that's as old as the Adams family. That that's something like so up his alley. I grew up watching Beetlejuice and, you know, Lydia Jeets sure. and stuff like so seeing like almost like the next generation of girls that my mom warned me about, you know, <laughs> Jenna Ortega plays uh, Wednesday and uh, mm-hmm. she's so snappy with her, you know, brooding, edgy, you know, humor that I'm just so excited to see the next generation of girls who are like, she's just like me for real. And, you know, <laughs> she likes murdering and stuff or whatever. So like, that'll be fun. And also all the boys that are, you know, confused about <laughs> what it is they want from a future wife. And also young young women who are like, why does seeing that girl make me feel funny? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I like alternative culture, especially when it's influential. My only gripe with it is that at least with the twists and the plot and stuff, it does very much play like a kid's show. But the vibe has that X factor that only Tim Burton, Danny Elfman stuff does. You know, like my example is always like, who else could have done Edward Scissorhands? You know, who else could have done Sweeney Todd the way that it was? You know, those have just like this weird X factor. Like you don't ask, like, how does Edward Scissorhands use the bathroom? You're just so enveloped in this like story <laughs> in this this world. And it's so nice to have that with something new, you know. So I, I really, really enjoyed it. Well, I mean, the answer is is is, is dicks all cut up. Yeah. 
Well, just like everything else. I mean, that's right. Like everything else. Do you think everything. it's like because like uh, there's so much scar tissue that has been caused? Like he's just got a really, really strong dick. <laughs> Yes, I think I think that's exactly right. His dick is ninety nine percent scar tissue. Yeah, and probably really large. You know. <laughs> huge. I mean, huge. I could see large or incredibly small, right? Yeah. For you know, a man like Edward, this is probably a very delicate place. He doesn't want to be you know very often full scissors. You know, just like kind of half scissors. So. That's right. Well, because like they had the whole thing where like you would use bees to like sting your dick because apparently that made it bigger or whatever. What? I uh, I, I know no one's going to believe me when I say this, but I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know. It was like an old like maybe like first century, first millennia thing that like wives tale yeah so it's it's that thing where you go out and you stick your dick on a flower and you get pollen on your dick and then you wait for a bee to come along and then the bee stings your dick and then your dick blows up no it, it was way more hardcore they would have like holes in the bed they would like lay flat down and they would just have like a beehive like through the hole and it would just like just go crazy <laughs> i mean it's hot as hell is all i have to say for that i was picturing like a joe rogan fear factor type situation where here's the clear glass box that you can shove your dick in that now that's that is a billion dollar game show idea it's called stick it in right and all it is is it's a series of boxes where so someone's in front of a screen okay a dark screen and there's a dick-sized hole on their side of the screen and they can't see what's on the other side, but the audience can't. Right. Yeah. So the audience, yeah. they're facing the audience in profile. Oh, I was thinking like front where the person who's doing the dick sticking, it's like painted black glass front yeah. box and there are multiple okay, sure. and they have sure, to sure, choose sure. which one. Yes. <laughs> and they get, they get three questions, which can only be answered by numbers from one to 10. Okay. Uh -huh. So I don't know what those are. Like on a scale of one to 10, how much will this hurt or something like that? You know, how many things are in this box? Mm -hmm. Not yes or no questions. That would be too, that's been done. So I want to get numerical questions. Yeah. Is there a better name than stick it in? I don't know. I'm just picturing the game show audience going stick it. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly, it's exactly right. <laughs> I think that's the perfect name for it. I mean, there's a whole Reddit r slash don't put your dick don't in that. Don't put your or dick whatever. in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think <laughs> they would love to attend, maybe even participate. Dream host of Stick It In. Yeah, who is it? Joe Rogan. <laughs> Sorry, I no. think Zachary Zachary Quinto. I think would do great. Zachary Quinto with this. He can do that kind of Spock thing. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. You can get uh, the guy who plays Jigsaw. Tobin Bell, that guy. <laughs> I okay, think that would sure. be great. That would be a good vibe. I mean, I don't know. Steve Harvey, that's my... Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he should host everything. Just making the same faces and reactions yeah. as he does on Family Feud. <laughs> yeah. What's in the other boxes, though? One is bees. One's got to be bees, yeah. And the other... A pencil sharpener. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like sure. Like an apple peeler. <laughs> Mayo as a reward. That's if you get the correct answer. It's just That's right. Mayo. I'm gonna say actually, you know, you know who should host this? Dame Judy Dench is I think gonna be <laughs> I agree. the best host for, for stick it in. She'll bring that kind of gravitas. We can have different hosts for different seasons. That's right. And you can do it in different locations. Okay, um, we're gonna pitch this. 
I'm going to write this down next to my Dracula Sounds great. Wonderland idea. <laughs> the way you pitch it is do like Lonely Island, Dick in the Box yeah. kind of setup yes. during the pitch. Yeah, that'll go over great. We can get, um, fuck, what's the name of the Lonely Island production company? I should know this. We can get them to produce mm-hmm. it. I'm bored. That's right. Brian, what's popping? What's popping for me is I may have even talked about this on the show. I love this album for a long time and I've been back into it recently. It's uh, from 1981, Quincy Jones's album, The Dude, which is so great. You know, like many albums of that time, it's got some like kind of funkier stuff and then it's got some ballads. I feel like I wasn't really paying attention to the ballads too much. And two of them are sung by the amazing James Ingram. There's two ballads on it. One is Just Once and another is called... 100 ways and they are just amazing just once i think they were pretty big hits and ingram won a grammy for 100 ways but they are just like that sweet spot of like adult contemporary soft rock kind of r&b oh i mean the songwriting is incredible it's quincy jones production is incredible because it's quincy jones and the musicians on it are just amazing so it's like you know the epitome of amazing, like early eighties soft rock. It's so great. So yeah. Amazing. That's the one I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Just once has an incredible starting line, but it's, it's kind of like a, you know, we're in a troubled relationship song and it starts out with James Ingram going, I did my best, but I guess my best wasn't good enough. Oh, wow. It's so great. Beautiful poppins all around. Now it is time for the final segment, which is called Peaches and Lemons, where we each share one petty grievance and three things that are cool, good, fun, nice, whatever. And the theme song for that goes right here. Peaches and lemons. Peaches and lemons. We'll each start with a lemon, which is a minor bummer, annoyance, whatever. I've been sitting on this one. Sometimes things happen and I'm like, oh, thank God I have a lemon. (laughs) (laughs) The other night I, as I do, woke up at around 2 a.m. and was like, Mm -hmm. I want a little snacky. And so Mm -hmm. I go into my leftover Halloween candy and I select a Twizzler and I get get all cozy in bed and I go to open this Twizzler. (laughs) And in the process of ripping this open, in my haste, to get at the Twizzler. Candy I don't even really like. I fucking dug a hole in my finger. <laughs> I like dug a chunk out of my finger trying to nail? get the Twizzler. Yes. I've oh never God. done that before in my fucking life. But I got twizzled and it wasn't until this I woke is, up the next morning. This is a real hands kind of problem. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Like I woke up and I was like, holy shit, I got myself really good. So I've had like a flap of skin on my finger. Also like oh, wow. index finger, bad spot to get twizzled. Like you touch so much stuff with your index finger. So oh, yeah, you do. My lemon is that I got twizzled. Okay, well, I'm sorry. Is it better now? Eh, it's fine. <laughs> okay, great. I was eating a meatball sub last night and uh-huh. I just like got marinara in it. <laughs> also not good. <laughs> Anyway, that's my lemon. Great. I can go for my lemon. So I I, I am an active member of the puzzle creator and solver community. And occasionally, like, I sign up for these things which are like, we send a mystery to your house. You have to solve it. It's like solving puzzles and, you know, you put them together. And they're always terrible. 
And every once in a while, I try a new one thinking, this one won't be terrible. Well, I tried a new one, and I won't say what it was because I'm sure many people enjoy this. And it's fucking terrible. Will you type it in the chat? Okay, it's in the chat. I'm not going to dox them. That's what it's called. And it That's is also what doxing is. It is high, <laughs> high production value and written for people who don't do many puzzles. Why don't we put it that way? And so I admit that I am a snob with these things and do a lot of it. So I'm probably not their target audience, but I was just like, come on, don't advertise your amazing mystery that I can solve in five minutes. It was just high expectations, low rewards. So, oh, well. Tragic. But I did get, they have a kid version too, and Audrey loves it. So that's the good side. Also, I gave her some of the adult ones and she did them immediately. So I was like, these are not that hard. Like, yeah. Anyway, that's my lemon. Love it. Jules, do you have a lemon? The uh, ever descending quality in sales for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. As a, you know, music producer, I love buying plugins that I'm never going to use. Hell yeah. It's plugin Friday. Yeah. <laughs> I usually have some things on my radar that I'm just like, oh, that'd be nice to have, but it's like a glorified EQ compressor. I don't need it, but man, it would yeah. be nice to have, right? And I don't know. I, I maybe it's just confirmation bias, but I always feel like the things that get the best sales are the things I already own. And one year for Black Friday, you buy like all of the Arturia synths. And now mm -hmm. I get emails from them every goddamn day. Uh, every I know. day. I, how many native they instruments emails inbox. do I get a day? I get, I think I get 12 native instruments emails a day. I downloaded one Scott's Bass Lessons PDF like two years ago. And I have unsubscribed multiple yeah. times. Oh. There was even an email that was like, I'm sure you're sick of your inbox getting filled up with Black Friday deals. <laughs> yeah. Like, It's like worse than political fundraising. Yeah. Oh, easily. For me, that's uh, Recording Revolution. Uh, was his name? Graham. <laughs> He's amazing. Like, like incredible sure. producer. And like his, his tutorials are like the easiest to follow from any level of understanding. But yeah. I made the mistake once of being like, yeah, you know what? I'll subscribe. I'll see what you have to say. And I don't want to miss any of your videos. And like, I've unsubscribed many times. I still get them. Yep. But Scott's Bates Lessons definitely, definitely is another one of those. It's not a plugin, but I've been trying to unsubscribe from Billboard for like five years. And <laughs> I don't understand why. I bought a subscription once because now some of the charts are hidden behind a paywall. Like the comedy chart is. And I wanted to see where an NSP album was. Couldn't do it. So I was like, fuck it. I'm technically a music professional. I'll pay for Billboard. Immediately, you know, paid for it. I was like, I'm never fucking using this. Cancel the subscription. I still get Billboard Bulletin, you know, once a day. And I've been trying every time, unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. It's not fucking doing it. I don't understand You go why. to the I, farm I, I and you enter your email and they're anymore. like, oh, you're unsubscribed. Yep. No, I'm not. You just got to block him. You got to mark his spam at a certain yeah, point, I, I guess. Think, I think that's where I am. I've done it so many times. And they still get through. Meanwhile, <sighs> I get like yep. important work emails that get sorted into promotions or something. And it's like, yep. good job, Gmail. We love it. Yeah. We love to see it. I do want the millionth email from Camp Lejeune, compensation, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. Amazing. All right, time for peaches. Yes. I'll do mine because they're half-assed. 
equipment, I can move through them quickly. Number one, great. It's colder, so now I get to use my dog as a space heater, yes. which is the best. She just comes right up on me. Uh, it's the greatest. Yes, it is. I use my child the same way. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. It's awesome. It's not quite cold enough yet, but when it gets just the right amount of cold, she'll crawl under my sweater and put her little head out right here, and it's the <laughs> cutest goddamn thing in the world. Yeah, I bet. And then I just cradle her like a little baby in my sweater. And then she decides to get out and only wants to get out through the neck hole. <laughs> yeah. And we'll squeeze her entire body out. Second peach is that I took advantage of Black Friday and purchased some nicer clothes because mm. I have been exclusively dressing in potato sacks and sweatpants for the past two years. And now that I'm going <laughs> uh-huh. places, people have clocked that I have like one outfit. So <laughs> need to remedy that because uh-huh. that's embarrassing. Um, and my last one is that I don't like Christmas time, but the only thing I like about it is a flavored coffees and B I fucking love buying gifts for people. Like Mm. I love it. I just love figuring out a fun, thoughtful thing. So it'll be nice to do that. And also nobody is safe from this goddamn 3d printer. (laughs) Oh, oh shit. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Cool. I'm getting a gun. Those are my peaches. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice pink gun. Yeah, nice pink gun. That doesn't work. Wink. All right, I'll go. Peach number one, this machine I was playing before, this uh, came with me on tour. Nord Stage 3 just got it a couple months ago for uh, when we were about to head out. And we shipped it back from the last show, and it successfully arrived and still works. Nord sure knows how to make a keyboard. And I was terrified of this getting like thrown on the back of a truck. And, you know, and I did buy, as you have to, an expensive road case for it, you know, with lots of padding and all the shit where it's like, wait, how much is this fucking case? (laughs) It's more than some keyboards. Okay, sure. How money? Okay, so the case for this thing was 500 bucks. And that's like as cheap as I could get a decent one but it protects the thing and I'm shipping it. It's going on an airplane. It's going on a truck. You got to do it. And it came back and it works. See, listen to it work. There it goes. So that's peach number one. The thing came back, which is great. Along with a bunch of other stuff, including Jim Roach's suitcase full of percussion. And I let Audrey play the bongos and it was cute. All right. So that's peach one. Peach two for the first time in a really long time. I purchased a video game console. And I got a, an OLED switch, which now I already had a switch. Uh-oh. Technically, I didn't buy it because I got it from Nintendo for an event I did right before they launched it. So it's the first time I bought a console. And I mean, it's probably like close to 10 years now. And it's great. Like, I've been playing games on it. When I came back from tour, I was living in my garage because my family had COVID. And I was like, fuck it, I'm getting a switch. So I can play one and Audrey can play one. And I like Switch games. I like the switch. Do you notice like a big difference in terms of like size and screen quality and stuff? Honestly, it it is measurably better. Yes, it really it really is better than the original version. Well, how much it was like 50, 100 bucks more. I think it was 50 bucks more than the non-OLED version and it's like yeah, okay, it's worth 50 bucks extra. That big old screen on it is incredibly appealing. It looks great. And, and like the resolution is really good. It's a good machine. And since the Joy-Cons are only two weeks old, they've only just started to drift. <laughs> of course. Amazing. One did something like where it started to drift like yesterday. I was like, come on, you fuckers. 
hopefully I get a few more weeks out of it before that happens. I've been really wanting to play in like Finnish Cuphead and I had to, you know, stop forever ago mm-hmm. when I was playing it because it was like, this is not a game I can tolerate Joy-Con Drift on. Animal Crossing, oh, no. Stardew, we can get away with it. Cuphead, I will throw no. this goddamn thing across the room. Well, I just started playing the DLC on Cuphead, which I hadn't done yet. And Audrey's very excited because you get to play as Miss Chalice. Yeah. And final, Peach, going back to puzzles. Uh, I just last night got hired to write puzzles for a thing I can't talk about, but I'm working with some friends. Actually, one person who I was like, oh, I got to get in touch with that guy. Well, puzzles brought us together. So I have another puzzle writing gig that is happening now. Amazing. And that's it. Those are my three peaches. Jules. My first peach is the other day I had Taco Bell and it was really good. What'd you get? I got a black bean quesarito. Oh, hell yeah, Mm -hmm. man. That quesarito. It's It's busted. Peach too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I've been doing an improv class. Oh, nice. Because I did a ton of improv. I did a ton of acting in school that I was just like, "Eh, like, do I really need an improv class or whatever? And it quickly turned into my favorite part of the week, you know, because I just go and I play improv games with a group of people who, you know, are beginning. There's no judgment. It's it's just a, a wonderful environment. That's awesome. And it's definitely nostalgic. And then I'm like, oh, like we're playing games that we played, you know, in theater back in the day and stuff. But I had my class yesterday and they do this thing at the end of, I don't know if it's the end of every two month class or whatever, where they do like a whose line is it anyway kind of uh-huh. game. But they take a representative from every class to kind of represent the class. So it can't be like everybody. It's just one person from each class. And they all nominated me like instantly. <laughs> so nice. that, it, it felt That's very precious. nice. It was very, it was a very, That's very great. nice uh, feeling. The teacher was like, oh, do you guys want to nominate somebody or does anybody interested in being nominated? And I like kind of slowly started like raising my hand, like I'd be interested, but everyone just like pointed at me. They're like, just Jules, he's just take him. <laughs> like, oh, dude, that's so great. Like, yeah, it felt really great. San Diego is where I got my improv start, and I can draw a direct yeah. line from improv in San Diego to Ninja Sex Party, like a, a straight line from, <laughs> yeah. from that, because that's where I first started doing comedy. So I have a very soft spot in my heart for uh, improv in San Diego. Do you have a place that you went to? Where I was was uh, San Diego Theater Sports, which I'm not even sure is okay. still operating i mean they had their own space for a while and i believe that has been shut down for a while now a lot of the people i knew there have moved to other cities and aren't doing it anymore i know a couple people who still might be involved but not too many it's pretty wide now like i feel like there's a lot of different places you can do it now yeah yeah my third is um it's taken a while but i finally found a game that i can get into a flow state with which is always really nice because i find that there are all these new games that come out and the only thing I'll want to play is Sudoku or crossword puzzles. Something like Pokemon will come out and I'll be very excited for it. But then, you know, I'm playing Pokemon where it's like, catch the Pokemon, battle the Pokemon. And yeah, it's fun, but it's not targeting the dopamine receptors that I'm I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. But honestly, Sonic Frontiers has been doing that for me. I'm pleasantly surprised by the new Sonic game. I just started playing this too, yeah. I had that feeling of like time moved by and I didn't even feel it happen because I was just so immersed in having fun with the game. I mean, as you get older, I feel like it gets harder to to find those things. 100%. For whatever reason. So yeah, I was excited to kind of be like, hey, I feel like a kid for all of 
six seconds and there's plenty more to come. So it's my first Sonic game. I've never played a Sonic game before. Yeah. Didn't have a Sega growing up, you know, like, and that's the only place you could get it for a while. And by the time you couldn't, I was doing other stuff. So it's really fun. I'm only just like not even half an hour deep into it, but it's like, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. It's a good one for sure. I did not know there was a new Sonic game because mm. I live under It's kind rock. of like Breath of the Wild, but Sonic, honestly. Ooh. Ooh yeah. Okay. It's, it's an open world kind of style. Yeah. But um, my editor tweeted out recently, like, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about that this is the Sonic adventure for the next generation. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's assuming that they follow the same pattern where they put out one good game and then are cursed for 20 years straight. <laughs> <laughs> just a bunch of can't bullshit. To figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Sick. Awesome. Well, dude, Jules, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us today. It's 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 great to see you and we appreciate you being here. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you so much for having me. If people want to find you or if there's anything that you want to plug, now's the time. I'm constantly putting out new cover videos on youtube.com slash familyjewels7x. I speedrun a multitude of Nintendo 64 games on my twitch.tv slash familyjewels. But if uh, watching somebody do the same run over and over and over again isn't your speed, but you still like the gaming stuff, youtube.com slash Conroy is where I upload highlights of those streams and periodically videos where I make my doorbell cursed music. And then... I have a lot of projects that are big that I'm very excited that will hit YouTube, but also Spotify. So Family Jewels on Spotify. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Only fans. Anyway. (laughs) Awesome. Amazing. Uh, Usually I attempt to do some form of sign off, but I'm absolutely horrible at it. Do you think that Captain Feathersword could give us a little, a little sign off? Sure. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry to ask this of you. <laughs> wow. Do you see yeah, how excited it's, it's, he is to do it? Yeah, that's fucked yeah. up. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess I'll do it now that I'm on the spot. Um, <laughs> fuck off, me hearty! <laughs> Hell yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Goodbye. Late Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Knight, on Instagram at Leighton underscore Knight, or email us at LeightonKnight at gmail.com. <laughs>